ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, I sat down with Trevor Budd. We get into hunting Game Rich, Wyoming. Gators in Georgia, falling asleep in tree stands, African safari, and touch on PTS and social media. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Trevor Bud. Trevor, it's been a long time coming, man. We've been talking about doing this for a minute. Um, thank you. Appreciate you sitting down with me. No, man. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor to be on here and be a part of this. Uh, wonderful growing community that uh, you're you're putting in motion awesome man thank you for that so let's just jump right in man um why don't you give us an intro and tell everybody a little bit about yourself uh, my name's Trevor Bud. i'm uh, born in montana raised in wyoming um come from a, a long line of outdoorsmen and people committed to the outdoors um growing up we uh hunting was not only a big part of life, but that was, you know, the, the big way that we were able to actually have, have meat in the freezer. You know, it wasn't that we were going out to do this to, to have fun or, um, you know, just to go out and have a good time with friends. It was going out so that we had food. Um, uh, my, my dad and mom have both, uh, they both worked in the, the ranching communities for, as long as I can remember, dad went back and forth for a while between law enforcement and uh, uh, being an, an actual cowboy horseback from sun up to sundown. And so we got to go, um, we being my brother and I got to go with him on that, um, which growing up that way is pretty amazing. You know, you get to see a whole different side of the world that, that most people don't get to see. Um, and that's that's where more of a love for the outdoors kind of came from when you're spending every day out in it and seeing, you know, you're passing within 20 feet of a 
gigantic herd of elk and they're they're not doing anything because you're horseback it's it's stuff that you can't make up um it's a pretty good way to start your life i'd say so man especially with montana and wyoming how much time were uh did you spend in montana uh not not very much at all i was uh um i was born there and i think we moved from there when i was uh, probably about two years old we moved down to southeastern wyoming and spent the majority of time there um just before i was a senior in high school it moved up to uh, we moved up to northeastern wyoming and that's where i ended up graduating from and i think that's that's where i've spent most of my time since then it's uh it's a wonderful state you know like we were talking it's there's such a diverse um climate environment take your pick it's it's all there and it's all different yeah it's a different world man that the little bit of time that i've spent up there it just uh it blew my mind yeah amazing it uh it, it it's it's pretty great um and, and it's a it's a hard place to to leave like you can you can step away from it but you always want to come back for whatever reason yeah, you can count me in on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> count me in on that one. So, hunting and outdoors, man. Um, what uh, what got you going outside of you know the family, the family need to fill the freezer? What uh, what kind of tripped your trigger and kept you chasing it? Um, every, everything about it. You know, it can be the most um, the most frustrating, beautiful, and rewarding thing all at the same time where you know people i guess like like my family and and i we don't realize how lucky we are to have that as as truly a, a part of life you know that's that's something that we grew up with that's something we view as as a norm and you start talking to other people that you know whether they're your same age they're older they're younger that have never never gone out and experienced that and you start meeting those people and you start saying hey you've got an interest in this, but you've never done it. Well, let me show you, come with me. And you, you take them out for that. And just that reaction they get the first time they get, e even if it's a little, little two point buck in first time they get that within shooting distance and you watch their excitement grow like a little kid on Christmas morning. Like, Oh my God, this is it right here. This is, this is what it's all about. And you get, it, it's an escape from everything. It's, it's a learning environment every time you go. <clears throat> and at the same time, it's, it's, it's that one constant that you can always go back to, no matter how crazy life gets, you can disappear into the outdoors. Even if you want to call it a scouting trip, you can disappear to the outdoors and everything else gets the volume turned off because all that matters is right there with you and right there in front of you. That's it, man. That's it. And that excitement, I, <laughs> For me, at least, you know, when I'm, you know, whether it's Wyoming or Oregon or, you know, Utah, I get that damn excitement. I don't even have to be, you know, behind the trigger. I'm driving down no. the road, man, and you see, you know, deer, or antelope or, you know, elk running around. I mean, that excitement is just, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I can't count how many times I almost wreck a, wreck a vehicle because <laughs> driving down the road and you spot a herd of elk. You're like, ah, uh -huh. oh, look. Um, you go, you go mildly Helen Keller because you can't even talk for a minute there. You can't get 
get stuff figured out. Yeah, for me, I have to pull over, man. I always have a, well, I shouldn't say always, but typically I'll have a diaphragm with me, man. And I'll, and I probably shouldn't. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I'll, <laughs> I'll pull over, man, and I'll just talk a little bit, you know, to see what they do. Um, oh, yeah. But it's just that, that constant itch for that, that interaction with them, right? Whether it's Absolutely. just sitting there watching them or photographing them or, you know, you know, even when we're hunting them, you know, you take that moment. If it's not the animal that you were after looking for, you get distracted by them so easily, man. Right. Right. And, you know, what I don't know if you realize that you're doing it or not, but what you're doing by doing that is you're just conditioning those elk for when you know you turn into that old man that can't get out and go chase them. That way, when they see the truck, they just start automatically coming to you. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, they're amazing. I, you start we get on that elk topic too fast it's going to be downhill uh, real fast from there <laughs> there's, there's a lot worse topics we could go downhill with that's it man for sure um um you know it it's one of those things that like like i say it's it, it's hunting that's something that that we started with and literally as soon as we could walk we were we were going so and even to this day, you still see any of those animals and you don't see a million mill deer, a million antelope. Still, every time you see them, you're like, ooh, look at that one. And you start picking them apart and start looking at what they're, what they're doing, figuring them out. And it's, it, it's an addiction. I don't care what anybody says. It's, it's an addiction that is, is actually good for you. Yeah, you got to feed it, too. got to feed it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how did your 2018 season look, man? 2018 was pretty awesome. Um, I got to uh, go down to Georgia, had my first experience with uh, tree stand hunting, which, uh, good God, man, I don't know how those boys do it. Um, got uh, got a few whitetail uh, with my bow. I got an alligator and got some pigs. So it was it was a phenomenal trip. Um, and then in Wyoming, I got, uh, oh, I think I got three people, their, their mule deer, got them on the deer, uh, packed it out for them. Um, I got a, I got a doe deer and that was, that was about it. I didn't, I didn't get to go chase elk this year. I was a little sad about that. That's a, that's a rough one, right? So with me just, you know, just starting down this, this elk path or elk road or however you look at that um, one of the for california right i have a ton of points and it's been something that i've been chomping at for years but now you know doing the out-of-state hunts with us going through tag season now man it's uh it's depressing to open up those emails yeah you know you get that get the letter letter of letdown yeah man rejected yeah but it will be otc you know Oh, absolutely. But you know, that's, I, don't, I think it's like we were talking earlier, you're only limited by your creativity. I've seen some monster, monster bulls and monster mule deer pulled out with, with, with an over the counter tag. And the, one of the biggest mule deer that I've ever shot was, was an over the counter tag on public land. And he's, he's a seven by six that's 32 inches wide. And he's got three cheaters. Like he's just, he's a toad. There's quite a bit of that (laughs) there in your state, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, uh, you know, 
don't don't let all the good press about Wyoming fool you. It's a it's a hideous place. Nobody wants to live here. It's you know, shithole. Keep, keep, <laughs> right, shithole. Keep everybody out. It's uh, it's not you know. Sure, there might be a little bit of good hunting, but everything else sucks. I mean, you, won't like it. <laughs> well, you know the the thing about Wyoming, and you're and you're you have a safety net there to a point, right? Because as a non-resident, it's not the easiest state to get into to go hunt. No, it's not, and it's uh, it, if you do come here and you say you fly in and they give you a rental car with Colorado plates. You might as well hang it up because most of the people see the Colorado plates and be like, no, nah, you're good. You, uh, you don't hunt here and don't ever come back to our place. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it, a lot of states say that, you know, we're, yeah, come on in, come hunt. You know, we'll, we'll guide you in the right direction. But Wyoming is unique in that, like, we have a plethora of public land. Um, there's, there's some amazing private land, but the, the public land that's available is just is mind-blowing if you actually sit down and do some research and look at everywhere that's available in 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 every hunt area throughout the state it's it's pretty impressive to see there's um you know you can you can find some of the most pristine country that people are afraid of because you know, like so many things in life, it requires work and people are afraid to work. Yeah, that was one of the um, things that was difficult to navigate for me was figuring out. I mean, when you look at it on a map, you use Onyx or something, right? It's pretty checkerboard. Um, it is. The BLM and the private and then, you know, going in. If you're thinking about going into a wilderness area, if that's what you have picked out, right? You got to hunt with a resident or a guide. Um, right. But it is. It's a little bit sticky, man, trying to figure that uh figure that whole thing out there. It, it, it can be a headache and it can also be your, your, your best friend, uh, especially with, with the new technology like Onyx and these true pinpoint accuracy GPS where, you know, you zoom in and say, oh, right here, we got a little access area because there's been, I mean, there's some of these huge landowners that are just gigantic douchebags that, you know, they, they want to, they want to come down on you for, um, you're, you're too close to, to their private land. Like, well, lucky for you, there's not a law against being close. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, that's but uh, it, difficult to navigate. That is for sure. It is. And it's, it's rewarding though. I mean, you, you figured out a good course and you, you put in the work, you'll, uh, you'll reap the benefits, even, even if it takes a while. I, like I, <laughs> I can go on about elk in Wyoming for a minute, man. I don't want to go too crazy with it. Man, you, you, you start looking at northeast, northwest part of Wyoming, not not quite Yellowstone, not quite Jackson, but um, you're getting, you know, you're going to have to tangle with some bears. But uh, um, there's there's elk everywhere, but everybody hunts it from the road. So if you if you kick out and you go up into the hills on foot maybe a mile or two you're going to see more elk within shooting distance than than you would ever think of yeah I can't and it's get back up there oh it's listening to him scream and do all that just awesome um i went on a spring uh yeah it was spring bear hunt with my dad um this last season 
that uh, we weren't successful, but on, on the elk hunting note, we're sitting there glassing this area and we can hear elk chattering everywhere. Now, I guess it was a fall hunt. Um, elk chattering everywhere, like bulls screaming at each other. You hear the cows running all over the place. And this herd of elk bust out of the timber, come running down the draw straight for us. And we're sitting there just, just watching this all unfold. This bull stops maybe 10 feet from us, just frothing. He's, he's been chasing his women all over the place. He looks right at us, doesn't care, and off he goes again. And it was, it was the coolest thing ever. Like even when you're not elk hunting, some of the shit you see. Yeah, yeah we don't want to steer too many people that direction. Um, no, no. So let's talk about uh, Georgia man and that tree stand. Contrast oh. that to to our style of of hunting, man. How did that How did that fare for you? I I thought I went into it with an open mind because I've never never tree stand hunted before and always made fun of tree stand hunters. So like, screw it. We're trying something new. Go into it with an open mind. We'll see how this goes. I don't know how those boys do that boys or girls. I, I don't care. That is, that is some mind numbing <laughs> nonsense right there that you, wow. And in, in Georgia in the fall, it's, it's not cool, comfortable weather either. It's, it's humid and, bugs that we don't have out here where it freezes every year. So, um, it's a whole new experience. You know, like you sit in glass or you sit and call coyotes. You can do that for, for hours and, and be fine because all you have to do is move a little bit and you're looking at a whole new piece of country that, that you're seeing all the new nooks and crannies of. Whereas there, Past about 40, 50 yards, all you're seeing is trees. You're not seeing anything else. And it's it, spot and stock is, is so much better for for everything, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sure I'm going to make some people mad with that statement. But, man, I, I, I get why they hunt from a tree stand down there because you can't. You know, that, that timber is so damn thick that you don't have any other options, but trying, yeah, trying to avoid from just absolutely going nuts from sitting there doing nothing. It's, it's a whole, whole different, different game altogether. And that's one of the things like I've been, you know, on the podcast and talking to different folks and it, I don't know if it intrigues me or I just want to do it to say I did it. Um, but what I'm worried about is like you're saying is just sitting in that same spot, man, for hours. I think I'll be good for maybe, like I said, four or five hours. Um, but I can glass for double that time, you know, sitting on a ridge or something. And that's the only thing that worries me, man, is just sitting there. You can't move. It just, you feel to me, I think I'm going to feel pinned down. It's, <laughs> it's a weird feeling and it takes a little getting used to, but I mean, I, I was lucky in one of the tree stands that I was set up in because there was a river right behind me. So there was always something going on on that river. So, that, you know, there was, whether it was a freaking otter going after stuff or some gigantic bird scaring the hell out of me, it was, I mean, there, there was actually stuff going on. But like if the, the, the first tree stand that I was in, 
I fell asleep in the damn thing, and I'm I'm not even ashamed to say it. <laughs> no, that was uh, so. When, when I got to Georgia, I flew in. Had an early early morning flight out of Denver, and uh, got to Georgia. Got picked up from the airport, um, and away we went. We uh, we had my alligator uh, in the in the garage, getting you know we were skinning him out um, by midnight and got up at three the next morning. And so you, you take that jet lag, the time differences and you know, the, the three hours of sleep throw that in with some wonderful Georgia heat and humidity and where you're sitting there not doing a damn thing. And you do a pretty convincing JFK impersonation for a little bit before you're just gone. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and and we went out for a few hours at a time because it was it was abnormally hot, and it, even that like I was I was dead to the world. Uh, my buddy that I was hunting with he came to pick me up from the tree stand. He uh, he might have got a picture of me just sacked out. I was like, well, I was tired and there wasn't anything moving. <laughs> um, it's uh, it takes some patience. But it, if if you're gonna do that and you're gonna do it in the south, get a uh, we can't even think of what the hell the name of it is now. A little, it's a bug repellent. It's battery operated. It's got a little canister that you put in it. All oh, the thermosel. That's it. Yeah. You got it. That thing was a lifesaver. Yeah, you and get your ass alive down there. Oh, they do, and they. Uh, Oh, use the anti-tick spray all over everything that you're going to be wearing down there. Permethicide or permethrin, something like that. Yeah. 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 I coated all my stuff in it and I think I still ended up finding a couple of ticks every day, but um, we saw a boy down there that, that didn't use any of that stuff. And he got about eight alive by chiggers and ticks. So it's uh just another thing that's horrible about Wyoming. You know, we, we don't have those bugs. We have the cold. <laughs> you guys kind of took an ass kicking up there this year too, right? And in- oh, it, it's snowing right now. It's the end of May, beginning of June, and it's snowing. Um, but that's, that's why this place is terrible and people shouldn't live here. <laughs> so how'd that gator hunt? Did you hunt that gator with bow as well, or was that rifle, or? Yep. So in in Georgia, you can hunt uh, gator one of three ways. Um, you can use like an archery fishing setup on a bow, which is what we did. You can use a harpoon, or you can use uh, um, the big ass treble hook on a heavy fishing pole and truly snag them and reel them in. Um, so we uh, it, it it was a blast, man. We're cruising around on this little pond and. As soon as it starts to get dark, you start seeing all these eyes everywhere you're shining your spotlight. And you get to where you can tell just on the coloring of their eye whether they're they're shooter-sized gator or not. But you get up close to them, just basically kill the engine, drift it sideways to where you're you're basically coming in broadside to them while they're they're swimming, and you stick them with that arrow and you hang on because you're going for a bit of a ride. Because <laughs> we were we were in a little I think it was maybe 12 or 14 foot John boat. And it was, 
he, he drug us for a ways and it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. And as soon as that arrow connected away, he went, um, once he tired out, we got him into the boat, hit him in the head with a bang pole. And it was like, like that was that, but they are, they're cool, cool animals. And, you know, to see them, see them out there and actually go after them. But that was, that was pretty amazing to see and, and to do. And that, dinosaur. Oh God, they are They're uh, You know, I got, got that one checked off the list. I got to still want to go after crocodile one of these days, but they're, uh, they're impressive critters. They, they don't, they don't care about much of anything. And especially when you're in their world. So on the rock thing, man, you've done, uh, you've done a little bit of African hunting too, man. How's that? uh... Man, I, you talk about hunting being an addiction. So Africa is, has been my, my dream hunt since I was a little kid. Um, I grew up reading like um, Capstick, Hemingway, even Roosevelt their writings about when they were hunting there. And I, I fell in love with it as a kid, you know, before the world of, of Google, where you can look at every image of every place. Um, so getting to go there was that 2016 um, was, it was a dream come true. Uh, but we were there for just, just shy of three weeks and uh, about two of it was hunting and it was, it was amazing. The the country that's there is is not at all what you'd expect. Uh, some of the the greenest, lushest grass you've ever seen. Some some crazy mountains, what what they call mountains, um, and and wildlife beyond <laughs> beyond anything that you can imagine. Uh, when we were we were chasing my warthog, we. Uh, we're nestled up against this big thicket and we hear something moving in the brush behind us and turn and look up and there's this giraffe leaning over the top looking at us. Like, oh, shit. God, God <laughs> damn, <laughs> this is cool. But, you're, you know, you're driving down the road and like <clears throat> here you've got all these signs for, you know, deer crossing or elk crossing or all this stuff. There they've got these giant signs of a, a kudu running headlong into a car. They're like, well, yep, we're not America anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, warnings about, you know, baboons frequent this, frequent this area. Keep your doors locked. Don't, don't leave your windows down. So it, uh, it, it was an amazing time. I, I got to uh, chase and successfully got six different animals. And each one was more amazing than the last. Um, the the kudu hunt that was that was first day actually hunting and um between the glassing and the thick timber and just the way those animals operate that was was very reminiscent of you know a high country mule deer hunt or an elk hunt in black timber where you know you've only got little viewing windows where you can see stuff moving through and you got to make it count but that was you know that was one of the first times I can ever remember getting anything even close to buck fever because I got that kudu in, in the crosshairs and I'm getting ready to shoot and I got to shake in so damn bad. And I'm like, what, what the hell is going on here? This doesn't happen. 
but I, I truly had to, had to look away, look out of the scope, take a couple breaths, remember to breathe, and went right back on the scope and dumped him at 420 some yards. And it was, it, it was awesome. Yeah. Warthog, um, man. Warthog. When I think of Africa, I don't know what it is about just a nasty, just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just huge tusks yeah. and lumps on the face warthog, man. It just tops my Africa list, man. Uh, they're, uh, they're interesting critters. So their, their eyesight sucks and their, their hearing isn't all that great. So as soon as, if, if they do hear something or they see a shadow moving, they're gone. Like they're, they're not sticking around to see what the hell it is. They're, they're out of there. So they can, they can be a little creative to hunt, but they're, uh, when we were chasing the warthog, we spotted them a ridge away. So we're sitting there watching them. We decided to put the stock on, get, get within shooting distance. As they started grazing off in, um, some heavy vegetation that was thick enough that it provided us cover to get to them. So we started in after them and we're going down through this draw and we start in through this big thorn thicket that, uh, there's a passage through there that's probably about seven feet tall. So you walk through it with no problem. As soon as we start in, the tracker looks at the ground, points at this track, and he says, that's Buffalo. Get that rifle ready. Like, yes, sir. <laughs> we got this. And we come out the other side of the thicket, and there's there's a herd of, I think there was, there was seven or eight bull Cape Buffalo standing there watering about 50 to 75 yards away. And, and those things are freight trains. Like they aren't scared of anything. They will attack anybody. If, if you're in their territory, they're going to, they're going to own you and it's, it's going to be violent and it's going to be quick. So, um, that got the heart rate for everybody involved up and we, we were lucky because the wind was blowing from, from the Buffalo to us. So they weren't able to wind us. We moved slow. We got across there and, you know, we're able to get up and get on the warthog without those bulls even moving. But it was just cool to see that, you know, like when you're, you're hunting in Wyoming or you're hunting in Georgia, or even in California, like you see all these other animals while you're, you know, if you're chasing mule deer, you're going to see all these other critters or down there, you're hunting one thing. You're going to see so many different animals and seeing them, seeing something that you've only seen pictures of, or you've only read stories of, or you've only seen in a zoo and then you actually see them in the wild. It's just, it, it's surreal. And it, I, I will caution anybody that's looking at going to Africa. It, it's, it's more addicting than getting started into elk hunting because once you go that first time, you're like, God, when can I go back? That's I got to do this. It, it is, it is. And uh, I'm, I'm going back in less than two months. So oh, nice. Yeah, I uh, I started college when I got back from that trip and said when when I'm done with with college I'll go back again, and I graduate. Well, I'll I'll be done with all my coursework for my bachelor's degree on July seventh, which as of right now my flight is leaving on July seventh. So it's it's good to go. I'm I'm a little pumped about that. Awesome, man. Well, congrats on the uh, on the completion of that degree, man. Well, thank you. It basically just proves you can run a Google engine and you can put words into an articulate form. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um, funny because my daughter, she just she just graduated uh, 
over the weekend, right? And uh, right, it kind of tripped me out to hear it. Statistically, worldwide, six point seven percent of the world's population has a college degree, and that's I heard, a lot of people. And I heard that. Well, yeah, but if you six point seven percent, I was like, that's phenomenal, right? I mean, yeah. you know, good on you for everybody that's done it or is doing it. That's that's a low ass percentage, in my opinion. It, it is when you, you know, 6.7%, which it's a lot of people if we're looking at the world population, but right. grand scheme of things, not that many people. No, that's nothing, man. Nothing. So, yeah. Congrats, right. man. Well, thank you. It, uh, a lot of sacrifices were made, a lot of, uh, a lot of saying no to things that I really wanted to go do. Um, <laughs> I am so glad to be done. That's that's all I've got to say. <laughs> it's uh, oh, it's it, it's been a trip. It's been a ride, but it's uh, it's something I wish I would have done a long time ago. And I thought that when I was about halfway through, I'm like, why why am I doing this now? Why didn't I do this then? But that's that's the beauty of life. Decisions, decisions, man. Some we look back on and regret and shake our heads, and the others, you know, heads tall. Yeah. Indeed, indeed, and it's every choice you make will. Uh, it's something that you can't undo. There's no sense in worrying about worrying about those things that you can't change. Change, just focus on the ones that you can. So and too many people get. Oops, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say. Uh, so what do you? Are you chasing the same animals in Africa? Or are you going after? No, I'm. Uh, I'll be going after a whole, whole different set this time. So first time I went, I went after. Uh, kudu, springbuck, blessbuck, warthog, uh, impala, and a baboon. Which, if you ever get the chance to go hunt baboons, I strongly recommend it. It's it's a trip. And those things are some evil sons of bitches. So, so you have a, you have a picture on your uh, on your Instagram there, man. That that uh, <laughs> cracked me up. It, it, it makes you it makes you take a, a second look at it, like what the hell's going on here? Oh yeah. So when I when I put that one up, man, I have never seen more anti hunters get pissed off and start sending some of the most hate filled messages ever. I, I'm like, wow, this is this is neat. But uh, no, that was that was something that uh, I had that idea in my head before we even uh, went after the baboon, and I'm like, "Yep, we're gonna we're gonna make the baboon hold the rifle, and we'll we'll say he shot a mountain ginger." So he, he's got it. You think that they'd like that picture, right? They they probably wished it on you, I imagine. With well, that's that's what I thought too. I'm like, here, because I think I even put a hashtag PETA on that, like all my other hunting pictures. But uh, um, no, man, they, God, you talk about some hate filled messages that were coming in over that. Like, well, okay, well, you, you keep going, social justice warrior, you. Well, and they don't realize, right? I mean, baboons are a nuisance and, and oh. kind of out of control in a lot of, in a lot of areas. They, they absolutely are. And they, like they, they'll break into people's houses. There's, there's been a lot of cases of them like running a mother off from a child and getting that child outside and truly just pulling it apart, kill it and leave it. And this is, this is a baby human being. We're talking about this happening to this isn't, this isn't like the normal nature where they do that to other baby animals. This is, 
you know, and, and they don't care because they, so <clears throat> the way baboons deal with a threat, uh, the way it was explained to me is that the, the alpha will see or perceive a threat and he'll, he'll stay and challenge that and keep that threat's focus. Well, the whole rest of the troop flanks them and then they collapse down on it and just shred it, whatever that threat may be. So truly, you know, overwhelming with um, speed, surprise, and violence of action. They're, they're doing what they do. And so when we were going after my baboon, he was, he was the alpha. And he was, he's an old, big male. And he, he must have scented us or something because he started barking at us. He couldn't pick up where we were. And he started barking. And you see the whole rest of the troop perk up, look at him, and then look towards the direction he's barking. And then they start moving towards us. Uh, tracker's like, you've got about 30 to 45 seconds and it's going to get wild here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so put, put 180 grains of freedom through the center of his chest and, and called it, called it a win. And as soon as that gunshot went off, like the whole troop just disappeared. And they, they know when there's a fight that they're not going to win and they'll, they'll disappear from it. But until, they see something that's that gives their their soon to be prey the upper hand. They're going to keep going. I mean, that's and you don't consider that right. I mean, especially with what we hunt, um, that right. level right. of intelligence and tactic, right? In in that, oh, absolutely. It's you're hunting a, a you know a, a, a primitive predator that. They're they're an apex predator. They, they're really good at killing things, and they're really good at at winning fights, even if it's something they're they're not going to eat. Like that, you know, it's like wolves. They'll just kill shit, just to kill shit. You know, it's uh, you know, there's some places that I've hunted in Wyoming that you're definitely not, um, they're not at the top of the food chain. Now you, you might be tied or you might be in second place, but you're you're definitely not the top. But there in Africa, you're you're maybe number four or five on that food chain. There's there's a lot of critters ahead of you, and it's I think that's part of the the allure and the the fun about it is that man, this is this is outside the comfort zone. You, you can't learn anything in your comfort zone, so you step in there, and man, it's you uh, you want a trip? Go go down there. Yeah, I have to. Uh... One of your Wyoming brethren hit me up about that not too long ago, so that's something that we're talking about in the next couple of years, man. That uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm ready I plan, to explore. I, I plan on going every other year. Uh, I've got some good contacts down there. Um, so you guys, you guys get serious. Let me know. I can I can point you in that direction. If you guys got your own own setup and want to try something different later on. Let me know. That goes for for anybody listening to. If you guys are curious about it, hit me up. I'll give you an unfiltered, unfiltered opinion on it, and I'll give you the the pictures I don't have on my Instagram. And then co- and cost wise, right? It's not when you think about going, you know, to Africa. Man, it's I, it's it, not it, expensive. It's, it's, no, it's it's cheaper than like say a freaking guided uh, antelope hunt in in Wyoming. It's cheaper than that. So the, the hunt itself, uh, 
for the hunt that I did, including room and board, lodging, all that, it was thirty two hundred bucks, and that was crazy. Five, yeah, animals. I think that, <laughs> six, 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 six animals. Holy, shit. yeah, six animals, room and board, all your meals. Um, and there's this was all fair chase hunting, so like every ranch that we were on was uh, like a working cattle or sheep farm or. Um, then Paul I got was, was on a pineapple farm. So it, you know, it was like hunting back home where you're actually going out and you're finding these critters and going for them. Um, the only one that we shot off a preserve was the, the, the warthog. And that's cause these warthogs were moving in there and they were chasing all the, um, the high end game animals that people were coming in to look at. They're chasing them off. So that was like, you know, test management. Um, it's, uh, the, the one thing you got to watch on it though, is your timing. Um, so it's May through July is the peak tourist season for Africa. So if you're looking at going any of those three months, your, your airfare is going to be pretty substantial compared to if you, if you go in August versus, you know, beginning of August versus the end of July, it, you're talking, Twelve to fourteen hundred dollars difference in airfare. Oh wow! But it's uh, even everything taxidermy included, or cost of taxidermy included, airfare included, and the trip that we did after we we're done hunting, um, we were still we're still well under ten thousand dollars for for all of it. And three like weeks. after we we're done, yeah, yeah. And after we're done hunting, we went down to, uh, we flew to uh, Cape Town because where we hunted was up in the Eastern Cape of South Africa. And then Cape Town is down in the Southern part, but truly the, the southernmost part of South Africa. So we, uh, we flew down there and spent the rest of our time there doing the tourist thing. And, you know, I, every, every time I go to a foreign country, it reminds me why this, this country we all call home is so damn amazing. You know, it's, you don't have to worry when you go out if, if what's going to happen to you or anything along those lines. You don't take, don't realize what you have till it's not available to you. Um, like there's, there's parts down there where, you know, we, we can't go in there. That's, that's the black side of town. You're white people. You can't go in there. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, you can go in there, but you're not going to come out of there with anything. Okay. Message received. Yeah, got it. You know, it's uh, you know, there's parts there where racism is still alive and well, and I'm I mean that in the true sense of the word, not the the, the racism word that we see thrown around on the media and social media so much anymore. It's like people are truly discriminated against because of the color of their skin, and it's not just whites discriminating against blacks; it's blacks discriminating against whites. Like they've got They've got parts down there right now where uh, black mobs are swarming farms and ranches and killing the ranch owners and taking taking over their property. Um, that's that's stuff that we don't have to worry about, thankfully, because because of the way our country is, and they have they have true corruption there. They have a government that they can't trust. They have law enforcement they can't trust. They have people in office that they can't trust. And, and I, I truly mean can't trust, not, I don't like this about this person, but 
you know, like cops in Mexico, you, you get picked up. Hey, here's 50 bucks. Okay. You, you go free. Just don't do that again. Same shit. Yeah. That, that's the, I think that's one of the reasons that I've never really done any international travel um, outside of going south of the border. And then when that got bad, I stopped doing that. It's just, you know what I mean? <laughs> to me, it's yeah, always yeah, like, no, I get it. that risk and reward thing, man. It's like, I, I got it great here. <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's, there's an absolutely a time and place to pump the brakes. But if you, if you constantly hold back on doing something because of the great, what if you never, no, nobody's ever going to get anywhere. Nobody's ever learned anything by staying in their comfort zone. And you, you know that as well as anybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, but, but for us, I mean, for me, right. Just leaving my state and going to Ohio or going to Oregon or, you know, going down South. Um, fuck. I love this country, man. <laughs> There's so much to yeah. see, right. I mean, we have all these subcultures and, um, yeah, but yeah, this, the, this Africa trip, man, that, uh, it's, it's something that I have to do. I absolutely have to do it. Well, there's there's something else you should know about Africa, depending on which part you go to. If, if you're much of a fisherman or if you've ever been fly fishing, I'll, I'll send you some pictures of the, the trout that they have there. And it, it'll blow your mind. Uh, even if you're not an avid trout fisherman, uh, the size of these fish will just, they'll leave you confused. They're just, they look like footballs with fins. They're just huge. And that's yeah. not something you hear. No, you, you don't hear that part. And and if you don't go there, you're not yeah, going to hear know. about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's, it, when, when you do get ready to go, it's a long ass flight, but it's, it's worth it. What is that? 16? <laughs> um, so i started a timer when we got on the plane in cape town when we were flying back home and i stopped it when i set foot in denver airport and it was a little over 25 hours oh my god so and that was uh we changed planes in johannesburg refueled in ghana flew into dc and then denver so aside from the the plane switch and that plane switch, like we were at a dead sprint all the way across uh, Timbo airport. So it, it's not like you're taking your sweet ass time trying to get somewhere. You're, you're hauling ass. You got all your shit and you're going and you get there just in time. But it, uh, so that's, that's true time. That's, that's true, true time, true travel time. Damn. 25 hours. Yeah. And that, yeah. that doesn't include the trip from Denver to home. No, and that and that was so twenty five hours on a bird, and then you freaking drive a pickup. You're six hours back home. No, that's that's fun. Damn, but and, it was well, it was kind of funny. I got stopped. Uh, apparently, I was tired and driving like a drunk person. And, uh, a trooper pulled me over just outside of Gillette, and of course, the usual. Hey, how you doing tonight? Where are you coming from? I said, well, it's South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, you heard me. I uh, just flew in into Denver and now I'm driving back. So, and it was a long haul, man, but it totally worth it. Yeah. I can't wait to do it again. I was going to say, apparently, right, if you're going to make that 30-hour, 60-hour journey again, man. Oh, absolutely. In a heartbeat. And I would I would have turned around and done it the next day if it was an option. But it, uh, there's 
there's a lot of critters I've got left that I want to chase in that wonderful country. And I, uh, I've got plenty of time to do it with. So, so on the, uh, on the conservation side of that, man, right. Cause that's what you hear a lot of and, and not knowing, right. We kind of, I don't know, we fall for it. Is that, <laughs> I mean, is that really a, a, I shouldn't say is it really, but is it, is the management of that and the financial support of those folks, you know, a, a big deal out there when it comes to going on those hunts? Oh, absolutely it is. And so uh, we'll, we'll use my tracker that we had on, on our hunt for an example. Um, he is, is a uh, native African, so he's, he's black. And they, down there, they call them, you know, that's, that's a black African, that's a white African. It's, it's not, you know, like here we have African-American, Mexican-American, any of that. It's you're black African, you're white African. You know, keeps it simple. But um, black Africans, for a good wage, like what my tracker was making, is in, in American dollars between twelve and 1400 a year. A year. <clears throat> And the trackers that were on um, the outfit that we used, most of them are making substantially more than that. They're making a wage where they could probably live in in the United States on, but um, without without hunting, without tourism specifically for the hunting down there, those guys wouldn't have anything. Um, the the, the game farms, the the conservation efforts that they've they they've made down there, like they brought they brought so many animals back from truly the brink of extinction. Like they're on the cliff and ground is falling out from under them, and because of the conservation efforts that they've done down there, they've brought these animals back to sustainable population. And people get all up in arms every time somebody posts you know <clears throat> posts a picture of somebody with one of these beautiful animals from Africa, but they don't, they don't understand that the hunting isn't what you have to worry about. Just like here in the States, it's not the, the hunter, the outdoorsman that you have to worry about. It's, it's the poachers. It's the criminals. Like we, while we were down there, um, one of the, the members of our party, um, they shot a warthog that, that had a poacher's snare wrapped around it. Like this thing was emaciated beyond belief and was dying a slow, miserable, absolutely excruciating death of, of starving because of this snare that some idiot poacher had set up to, to get some other animal. And, you know, we found three or four different critters that had been, been snared by a poacher. And that's, that's the part of conservation that none of these you know, animal rights activists want to focus on is that, look, yeah, we, we get it. You don't like what we do. We're not the bad guys here. We're the ones that have brought, you know, we're the us and our organizations that we support and that support us have brought all these animals back in all these different countries, but you only want to focus on, on, on this idiot or this idiot. Now, how about look at the big picture? You're you're taking one small piece of this puzzle and you're putting all your weight on it, rather than looking at at the whole damn picture and saying this is this is part of it. 
and emotional but, response to everything. Oh yeah, why why use logic and reasoning when you can rely solely on emotion, right? <laughs> so there's a, there's a couple things that come up, and it's one of our bullets, right? So you you got the you got the baboon mm-hmm. hate hate mail there, and then you're talking about you know social media and and you know kind of the backlash on that stuff. So social media is a trip, man. Um, when it comes to that stuff, right? And and it's great for us to share. Like we wouldn't know each other without social media. Right. Half Absolutely. The, half the people we, we come across nowadays or we have a conversation with. Um, and it's great. Right. To to branch mm-hmm. out and, and talk to these folks that that are of the are of the same mindset. But what's your what's your look on social media when it comes to that stuff, man? And man, I, I think your your title of that bullet point sums up my thoughts quite well. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, I, I think we'd get a lot more accomplished in life if with, with these idiots on social media and that's, that's both sides of the fence. You know, it doesn't matter which, which party you're on the the hunting side or the non-hunting side, there's idiots in both camps. That's, that's part of life. It doesn't matter what you do, where you live, what profession you do, uh, you're going to have idiots. You're going to have people in there that, that make everybody look bad. But one of the things that I've noticed about the hunting community or the outdoors community is that we don't actively seek out these, these anti hunters or um, you know, the in your face vegans or any of those. We don't seek them out and talk mad shit to them on, on their social media. We don't, we don't throw these death threats against them. We, we're not doing that stuff. Whereas the same can't be said for the majority of the other side of the fence. You know, they're, they're seeing a picture that goes against what they believe in. And rather than continuing to scroll on past, they feel that by God, my death threat against this person or my series of slurs that would make most people blush is going to make, make this person change their ways. (laughs) Like how, how ignorant do you have to, to be, to think that, you know, there's only one way of thinking and it's my way. You know, I, I was raised the majority of my life horseback and away from most of society. Uh, you know, first time I saw somebody that looked different, I was, I was confused and enamored. Like what, what do we have here? <laughs> you know, first time I saw somebody with tattoos, like what the hell is that? Now I've got, I've got my own tattoos, but it's people get so hung up and so much emotion invested into something they're passionate about, which is, is good. Be passionate about something in life. It doesn't matter if it's the skills of underwater basket weaving at at the Marianas trench, but be passionate about something. Right. Because if, if if you're not passionate about something, what, what are you going to have in life? You're going to be right. You're going to be another, another member of a, of a herd. And these these people on social media are are convinced that social media is real life, and that they don't realize that there's a whole big ass world out there outside of that social media realm. That you know that people get punched in the mouth when they talk like that to you. You know what's funny is it. So uh, there's a, a bear hunter page, right? And there was uh, 
and I follow it. So I'm, you know, looking at the post as, you know, every day when they post them and, and there's some beautiful bears they take on there. And there's a oh, guy absolutely. that's on there and I swear it's every single day and he has something negative to say. So I, mm-hmm. I finally said, you know what? I have a platform and if you would like to have an intelligent conversation and I will respectfully <laughs> listen to your side of things, right? But I would expect the same in return, right? That you listen to my side of things or our side of things. And uh, as much shit as he talks on that thing, the guy never even responded. And it's like, weird, so, yeah, so what are you doing? You you just got a bunch of fucking time on your hands, to just sit there and throw this stuff out with, with that emotional thought process. But as soon as somebody questions what you're saying and why you're saying it and wants to have an intelligent conversation, you're not willing to do it. You just lose oh, all credibility. It's like, dude, just like you said, right. Swipe left or up, down, whatever the hell it is. And mm-hmm. uh, one of, one of their arguments to the pages, well, I follow, I follow the hashtag grizzly bear. So when I look at this hashtag, I have to see, you know, you guys smiling with a dead bear or a dead bear there. Well, don't follow the freaking hashtag, man, or have the conversation. If you want to be heard instead of playing keyboard warrior, if you want to be heard, here you go, dude. You got ears on you. I got 12 countries, a thousand downloads a week. And oh, absolutely say a word, man, a word. That goes back to what we just said. You're using logic and reasoning and a calm approach, and he's using emotion. Which do you think is going to prevail in his mind? <laughs> it's it, 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 it's like when your wife or your girlfriend says, it's fine. Just stop there because you're not going to win anything. Run. <laughs> yeah, run. Run now. <laughs> Find his woman he's for your fucks. This is about to get bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's something it's, else, uh, man. You know, and it's you've, – you've got groups like that that are against hunting. You've got groups like that that are against <clears> – <throat> uh, against abortion or that are against anything that's not uh, pro-choice. You've got groups like that that are against – uh, our president, you've, you've got groups like that against all of these hot topics. But the fact that that we as hunters, as outdoorsmen, as people who truly have this as a part of our life, that we're doing something that actually makes a difference and we can take this bullshit and let it go in one side and out the other and try. And we, we offer them that, you know, the proverbial olive branch of peace. And they they choose to continue going that way. That's fine. Let them do that. But as long as we as a community stay the, the professional side and, and keep using logic and reasoning and all that, all of this, we're going to be just fine. You know, it's, it's like when you're in a grocery store and you see that kid throwing a tantrum, you, you don't stop and berate the parent, do you? Okay. Then why are you doing that here? Just keep walking. It's fine. And you, you, you anti-animal cruelty people want something to focus on? Look at the dog meat markets in China and Japan. Yeah, that you want to see something that'll blow your mind? You look that up. You you talk talk shit to us about the humane killing of a wild animal. You watch what those guys do to to dogs over there. To see where where you should be putting your focus. I wonder if that's something that. Right. Because that's a that's a cultural thing. Right. If you will. 
Right. So right. I, I wonder if they are able to separate that in their heads. I, I, I wish I could say that that's it, but I mean, here I am in Wyoming and I'm getting berated by somebody that's, that's not even from this country. And, and this is, this is my culture, but they can't detach that. Right. UK or something. Right. Right. And you know, and they say, well, if you're, if you're just doing it for, for meat or for conservation, you wouldn't be only going after these ones. Well, you're right. I do have a lot of pictures of, of horned or antlered animals, but I also have a freezer full of meat that you can't tell which one had antlers and which one didn't. Right. It, it, I, I need food. I can't stand grocery store food or grocery store meat. So I'm, I'm going to pressure out. No, it's, there was, there was one and it was a while back, but um, it, it, it was a comment on a picture that, um, just truly encapsulated the, the mindset of these people. Why can't you just go to the store and buy the meat where they make it? <laughs> like, you. <laughs> oh, wow. You are a, you are a brain trust. You yeah, box of rocks, man. Yeah. You know that the, uh, but that's the, the sad part is that's, that's becoming, more, more common anymore yeah it's scary yeah. It scares the hell out of me and it, it doesn't go to the wayside i mean with their thought process it doesn't make it it doesn't make it any better i mean you're you're just okay because you don't have that you know literal blood on your hands right, right. that, that and makes it okay at that point right I, I, apparently that's the separation but you know the thing with carrying on with with social media the thing that really starting to, to get me with, you know, Facebook or Instagram or any of that stuff is that they're, they're starting to blur out photos or call it uh, inappropriate content. If, if there's a little bit of blood in it, or you're showing a picture of a skinned animal, like how is, how is this inappropriate? This is nature. This is part of life. This is growing up. This, you know, this is, you, you could even call this the biology of the animal. Like you, you learn the same shit in, in school and they don't blur that, blur that out. Why are you doing it on here? Yeah. I it's, wonder how much they're actually dissecting animals in school anymore. Never considered. Oh, yeah. It's, I, I think it all depends on what school you go to. You know, if there's, you find a school out in these parts versus in the state you call home, which I'm not holding that against you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think there'd be some distinct differences on the things that go on in school. You know, I, it's, it's a scary, it's a scary climate. I just hope it doesn't hit hunting. Right. Uh, that's, that's what scares the shit out of me. Cause it seems to affect every other facet of our lives. You know, I, I would, I would offer this point of view on that. It's not, Avoiding it, hitting, hitting hunting. It's how hard is it going to hit hunting? You know, cause you look at, look at all these, these truly <clears throat> barn burner hot topics, you know, that all the topics that get people's heart rate up, heart rates up, politics, death penalty, abortion, any of that stuff. 
all of that stuff is, has, has been attacked and there's, there's now these distinct schools. Well, either you're for it or you're against it. Whereas hunting right now is we've got majority of people that either support it or are just like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's, it, it is what it is. And then you've got the, the angry ones that, that are this Billy badass on a keyboard in their mom's basement that they aren't accomplishing anything, but they're, they're the ones whose posts are constantly seen. They're the ones whose posts are shared millions and millions of times. They're the ones whose, whose word is, is getting out there. Whereas most of us in the hunting community, you know, we, we don't have millions of followers. We don't, we don't care what Kim Kardashian did two days ago. We've got more important shit to worry about. Like I don't know our full time jobs that we do. (laughs) (laughs) But it you've got you've got people truly rioting because McDonald's workers aren't making twenty bucks an hour, and and yet people are still finding time to to talk shit to people that are hunters. It's the same people pissed off that their Big Mac went up a dollar fifty. Absolutely. Like you not understand basic economics. It's not that hard to figure out. <laughs> to be able to pay your employees, you gotta have money come in. That's it. Can't believe they raised the price of my fucking Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I want you to pay these people more and I want your prices lower. Yeah. Doesn't it work that way? No. Oh, well, just it, like the bullet man, F social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, I, I I wish I had two more hands so I could give it four middle fingers, but but I don't, so I'm gonna have to stick with you know, keeping my opinion to myself and doing what I do. That's it. That's all we could do. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, that's life. Life's what you make of it. You can either go through it better and pissed off because everybody isn't doing what you want, or you can make your own trail and you can you cannot hold back. Follow your dreams. You know? buy that plane ticket, go do that thing. But if you, if you constantly, if the only reason that you're living and the only reason that you're, you're doing stuff is for, you know, the, the whatever acknowledgement from social media, you're, you're going to have a sad, miserable life and you're, you can be a sad individual. Well, they, I, you know, that you bring up a point there, right? I mean, it's weird because if that's where your focus is at and that's where you're finding that value and spending all that time, you're not going to have a sad, miserable life. You already do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're focused on you're that. You're already that's where there. The value, yeah. Where that's where the value is at. I mean, that just, that shit's amazing, man. Yeah. And that's, you know, these are the people that they, they follow these celebrities and they do everything that these celebrities do because they don't know how to have their own original thought. They can't, they can't think for themselves. They can't, they can't come up with something that they want to do, even though everybody else doesn't want to do it. You know, step, step outside of that box, see what's living out there. You know, there's, there's, there's a huge difference between tradition and following. That's you know, a lot of people out there. Oh, absolutely. It's that, that flock mentality. It's, it's sheeple. Sheeple. Yeah. It, but you know, what's funny is I, I feel like, people are okay with it. Like they're okay. I don't even think they realize that 
they're doing it to a point. They're more than okay with it. They they view that as as normal. Norm. Yeah, like that's yeah, that's that's what life is to them, and anything else really doesn't matter. Um, it's it's insane to to think of people viewing things that way and doing things just because this is what was done on social media, but they do it. And, and when, when you don't do the same thing as all these other people, you're the weird guy, right? You're You're the the weird girl. Yeah. Try, try being a hunter in Southern California. Uh, Man, my hat is off to you. I think that that right there gives you the patience to be a tree stand hunter at least one season. It's a it's something else, man. (laughs) I mean, there was a point where where I didn't avoid coming across people. Right, there was a couple spots that I would hunt, and I have to go in on these trails and uh, and Mm -hmm. just kind of deal with it. And it didn't bother me, but it just got so old. You know, every time I was in, you'd have to stop and talk, or we had a me and a buddy were out and uh, there was a group of folks and they, I mean, they were just pissed that we were out there hunting. And, uh, I looked at my buddy and I go, I swear to God, if a deer walks out right now, I'm that some bitch is getting capped (laughs) right in front of them. (laughs) You're going to see some really sad people that are going to probably cry. Oh yeah. I've had people say, I'm calling the police. Okay, fine. Call the police. You're interrupting my hunt. Right. You're mm-hmm. you're yeah. in the wrong here, so call them on yourself, idiot. You're you're the one that's breaking the law. It's yeah. called interfering with an outdoorsman. It's it's something else, man. That whole that, like mm-hmm. I said, I just hope it doesn't hit what we love. You know, it, it just it. Uh, I don't know some of the, the, some, of the some of the things I see coming out of these these big states, you know, in California, Washington, Oregon, and all along New York. You know, take your pick. Some of the the rulings and judgments that are coming down from them just makes you shake your head. Like what? What the hell is going on? Like the was it? Was uh, wasn't it Nash that he was up for the the big? Yeah, and he, he said there was a conflict there. What? Because he's a hunter? You think that that's makes no sense? Uh, that's the guy. I mean, and you're talking about. You're talking about a lifelong true conservationist, right? I mean, true conservationist, true outdoorsman, knows what he's doing, has dedicated his time to the country, and and is dedicating it now to, to local government to to try and make the state better as a whole. But there's a on. conflict because of pictures on social media. Like what the what is going through your minds right now? They're just they're clueless in it all. No, oh, it's yeah, it's feeding off emotion, just just like we said a few times now. Yeah, that that dude has to be one of the most well spoken, well read outdoorsmen, just every everyday guy that I've ever met, talked to, come across. I mean, just you know what I mean? Real, just real, a solid real people. Yeah, just a solid freaking man. And to yeah. I was so disappointed, man. In Oregon, I love Oregon. I love the beauty of Oregon. I love spending time in Oregon. And I was just so disappointed, so disappointed. Dan, that's that's one state that <clears throat> that I've avoided because of of everything that I've read and every everybody I've talked to about it said that you know this that or the other thing about how how one sided everything is. And I was actually looking at taking a trip there, and then this happened. Well, maybe maybe I'll pump the brakes on that just a little bit. 
no, it's it's tough. But I mean, like like we said, this is this is our life. Yeah. This, this is, is this is our passion. If you're not gonna pursue it, somebody else is gonna pursue the opposite. We need all the voices that we can. So um kind of a a lineage of service man yourself, right? We were just talking about Nash, but you're a third generation uh, yes, sir. Marine. That's a big yes, deal, sir. man. So thank, thank you for that service first and foremost. Um, uh, so how does that, so we, so we had a, a little, a brief conversation yesterday, right? And I, and I talked to Ryan and Ryan and I kind of touched on um, the PTSD aspect and how it served him. And one of the things that's important to me, man, is if we could affect one person, right, that that is struggling with that, um, mm -hmm. with a conversation, talking about hunting, talking about outdoors, and just spark that thought, man. I, to me, we've done some good. Um, so how has that benefited you in that respect, man? So um, I guess backstory, we got – there's there's a fourth generation of my family that also was dedicated to service to this country, but not in the Marine Corps. So I, I mean, obviously they weren't at the Marine Corps birthday that I posted that picture of. Um, but I had a great grandpa that got a uh, Bronze Star in World War II. I have my grandpa who dropped out of high school and enlisted in the Marine Corps so that he could fight in Korea with all his friends, and then my dad, and then me. Um, this is this was something that we were raised with you know just just like just like hunting just like being outdoors this was part of life you know that's that's my dad that's my dad the cowboy that's my dad the the cop that's my dad the marine that's my grandpa that's my grandpa the marine that's that that was life but it's not something that that they projected to everybody and I, I know that my grandpa had some demons that he fought with because Korea was a was a shit show. Um, I don't know if you've ever read any of the, the history on it, but uh, there was there was some atro atrocities that happened in some of those battles. Um, and to imagine yourself as a 16 year old kid there doing that, it's just absurd. Um, but but with all that, the thing about the outdoors or, or hunting or you know, touching somebody's life who, who is affected by, and, and I, I hate to step on your toes on this, but um, guy that I, I, I listen to a lot, his name is Evan Hafer. He's the founder of Black Rifle Coffee. Um, guy's a multi, multi-combat veteran, knows his shit. He described PTSD the best way I've heard. Drop the D. It's not a disorder. Disorder is something that's inherently wrong that, you know, there's, that it shouldn't be here, any of that. It's PTS. It's post-traumatic stress. It's, it's, it's part of life. You've, you've thrust a person into somewhere or something that the, the human body isn't, isn't conditioned for. Like we as, we as the hunter gatherers, we're used to seeing you know, we're conditioned to see a dead animal or, you know, we're, we're conditioned to, to quarter that animal out or to butcher it ourselves. And we're, we're fine with that. But seeing a dead, a dead adult, seeing a dead child, seeing a dead woman, all of that stuff, or 
seeing a friend die, seeing a friend get blown up, all that stuff messes with you and it stays with you. And it affects each person different. I, I've got, I've got friends that they've done 10 or more combat deployments and been blown up on almost every one of them. And, and they're okay. You know, that they, they don't, they don't have the big, you know, the, the big PTS issues that you see so much media about. And I have other friends who, who went on one or two deployments that they are, they're a wreck. And if, if we as a community and, and by community, I mean all of us concerned about it and that's, that's not limited to, to hunters. That's not limited to outdoorsmen. That's not limited to, to veterans. That's not limited to veteran families. If, if we as a community come together and find a way to, to reach out to these, these combat veterans and to say, look, understand what you did, understand you know, how bad some of that stuff could have been. Here's, let me take you on this trip. Let me show you how to truly escape from it all and show them the, the beauty and splendor that still exists in this world. Cause you, you know, you, you, you surround yourself with heinous shit long enough. You start to lose sight of all the good that's in the world. Um, I, <clears throat> on, on, on top of everything else in my history, I was, um, in law enforcement for, uh, 12 years. Uh, part of my duties in that I got assigned to a uh, state and federal task force that we did a number of things. One of the things we did on that was uh, assisting uh, internet crimes against children, which I can tell you, I, I will gladly see, see the most heinous murder scene in the war zone. doesn't matter. I will gladly watch that again before helping those guys again. Cause that, um, you know, PTS isn't just the, you know, the violent image that you get, you know, and thinking of, well, this, it's, it's just a combat zone that causes it. You see some of those images and I won't get into it on here cause it's just, just saying it will truly blow people's minds, but you're going through some of these devices that have tens of thousands of images and videos of these acts and, and you go to a dark place, man. And that's even darker than, than any sort of violent encounter could ever take you. But the thing that, that I've found both for me and for all the people I know who, who suffer from PTS or who embrace it, whether, whether you want to call it suffering or embracing, the thing I've found with that is the best thing to dealing with it, surrounding yourself with your good support group, whether that's friends, family, loved ones, doesn't matter. And getting the fuck away from all of these distractions, all of these, you know, the, the, the white noise, the, the TV, the social media, just try and, try and scroll through your feed without seeing something that, you know, PTSD this or combat veteran that or, um, racism this or um selected violence that just try it it's not going to happen it's not going to be able to everywhere you turn there's some sort of potential trigger there 
But if you can own it and you can have that good support network and you can have somebody who's willing and able to take you out and just fucking go, just disappear, you know, preferably to a spot where your cell phone doesn't work and, and you can reset everything. It's everything else. Like I said early on, everything else gets the volume turned down. All that matters is right there with you. Yeah, that, uh, that's a rough one, man. That, you know, and I, like I said, I talked to Ryan, so this is probably going to be a repeat, um, of the same thing, the same statement I made, but the, I, and if you're just referring, I shouldn't just refer, right. But I mean, just, you know, LEO first responders, um, military, right. I mean, you guys make a conscious decision to sacrifice. Um, so the, and I'm trying to put this in words for me, it breaks my heart, man. I mean, that, that's, that's the only way I could really put it. Right. So somebody's making that sacrifice and then, and then going through that suffering, uh, it breaks my heart. Um, so to understand, you know, and, and talking to vets and talking to LEO that, that the outdoors or hunting or fishing is their therapy. I, I just feel it important, man, to just, you know, pound that somehow, some little way, right. If it, like I said, if it affects one guy, you know, mm-hmm. as small as that is, man, I just, yeah. You know, there's, there's all sorts of different schools of thoughts on it. And you can, you can do all the research you want uh, and you can, you can find some sort of scholarly article that's written and reviewed that apparently has all the fucking bearing. Um, but you can find one to, to support any, any methodology out there, you know, if, if these people say that smoking weed is the best cure for it. Okay. Here's your peer reviewed article that says that and supports it. If these other people say that, um, going to therapy six days a week is the best, best thing for it. Here you go. The, the thing about, uh, any, any sort of traumatic event and and this is even stepping outside of the world that we're touching on here. You step outside that world and you look at at victims of abusive parents, abusive spouses, um, sexual assault victims. You look at even even people that have been in a, a violent, horrific car crash. Like they're gonna have they're gonna have that to a degree. Um, the different the the thing with all these people though. Is, is just that they're all as different and unique as the experience that caused it for. Them. And if you say, here's, here's one size, it's going to fit everybody. I'm going to, I'm going to call you a damn liar because we are all people. And, but the one thing that I've found that, that I've seen it actually work numerous times is actually getting out into the wilderness. You, you don't even have to be hunting. Like just getting out there doing that. And that, that does a couple of things that, that reinstills that, the camaraderie that was, that was in the military, which was, which was those happy times. And that, that shows them, shows everyone that, that that's ever had any sort of issue like this, that there's still some good out there. There's still some untouched goodness in this world. And it, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're chasing bad guys in the streets of Compton or you're 
you're freaking having a rolling gun battle in, in Sangin Valley. Doesn't matter. They're, they're still good out here. And there's still ways for everybody to enjoy it. Good deal, man. Good deal. I appreciate you touching on that. I, you know, I, like I said, it, it, it's something that's important to me, man. And I know, you know, and I'm not sure how it affects you or how deep, and I'm not going to go there, but I appreciate you speaking on that, man. It's important. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's real life. You know, you, you can, you can talk rainbows and butterflies all day, but the sun goes down real life hits. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, we'll lighten it up, man. <laughs> 2019 man with uh you got your africa trip planned and what else is yes sir uh, i'm I'm, next next week i'm going uh paddle fishing i don't know if you've ever looked up these ungodly dinosauric creatures but um there's a river in montana that they flow through pretty regularly right around this time of year um got big plans on that um getting getting an over-the-counter uh elk and deer tag this year and trying something new um gonna gonna hunt a lot in montana this year um got uh, a few unique opportunities um for that state so uh, i'm gonna try and cash in on some of that um got africa africa is gonna be awesome i'm going after a whole slew of critters again and been talking with the uh, the owner of the um, the outfitting company over there, and he he is ex- as excited as I am. So I'm 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 freaking stoked for this man. <laughs> it uh, we've got big plans on not only doing the hunting there, but also the fishing. Um, I'm gonna try and go after a fall bear this year. Uh, see what we can get with a, with a black bear. Um, my dad got a whopper of a black bear a couple of years ago. That, uh, that thing was just a monster. I'll, I'll send you a picture after we're done here. But, um, so I, I can't let him stay ahead for, for too far. So, right. <laughs> Competition so, is alive and well, man. <laughs> oh, and in, in, in the bud family, it, it always has been. So, um, you know, going back to touch on that tradition for a little bit, this is, this is how it always was like growing up, um, dad, grandpa, and my dad's brother would all go off to the mountain and go elk hunting every year. And all of us kids, as soon as they got back, we'd be helping with the butchering and then the shit talking would start. Well, he, he got this one and it's bigger and that's my dad. (laughs) Okay. Challenge accepted kid. (laughs) No, it's, uh, you know, you got to have fun with it. If you're not having fun with it, why are you doing it? But it's, I mean, you're doing it, man. You've, you've got, you've got the corner on this and you can watch your community grow every day. And it doesn't matter what, what year it is, what season it is. We have a, we have a tribe here that we support each other. We encourage each other. And we talk shit to each other when we need it. And it's, it's awesome to see. Oh, it's the fun in it, man. 
You got you, you every once in a while the one there's one guy that's gonna get butt hurt though. <laughs> well, that's the thing about that one guy though. He's always good to have around because if you look around, that one guy's not there. Chances are you're probably that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I know one of those. So oh, yeah, I'm, I'll go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Oh, that, that's I was just agreeing wholeheartedly with you on that. Oh, so you listen, man. So conservation quick, man. So you're give us your spiel, man, on conservation and and uh, what we should be doing. What's your take on that? Man, we we need to band together. It doesn't matter if you're if you're a real hunter that actually gets out and does this hunting stock or you're you're one of those tree stand hunters. It doesn't matter. We need to band together. It's you know, even looking through Instagram, you've got you've got people on there talking shit about this hunter because of this or that or the other thing, you know, you, you break us apart. Sure. There's a lot of us, but if we all band together and we all start pushing for this and, you know, even start reaching out to, to the outdoor community, meaning like the, the hikers, the, um, the campers, the ones that, that don't hunt, but they still enjoy all of this land as well. We're going to have this substantial reach that not only, significantly and substantially impacts the grounds that we all enjoy but it's also going to make our voice that much louder if 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 we try to do this individually or independently we're not going to get anything accomplished like it it's it's going to be a lot of yelling in the dark yeah sure you hear something but where's it coming from and what's it for um so I, i think our biggest thing is banding together and spreading the word to the, you know, somebody say somebody shows some interest in something and it's obvious they've never gone and done it before. Take them with you, go teach them the basics. This is, this is all stuff that comes second nature. If you're not good at teaching things, find somebody who is and have them introduce that person into this wonderful world. And that's um, a big deal, man, to grow the audience. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Huge. You know, you, you grow the audience your voice gets louder and and your efforts get that much more concentrated. Now, now it's put, pushing a boulder up a hill. Sure. One person can do it. But why? When you can, you can have millions of people doing it. It's one of those things, man, that it, it might be wishful thinking on my end, but if, if we could band together and we can get this going, I think we'd be able to sway the voices that, that make these laws that govern what we do. And it's, it, it, it takes work. It takes effort. And a lot of people are scared of that because, you know, what if I fail? If, if you, you don't know, it's worth try. Yeah. Like, like John, Wilk, like John Wilkes Booth said, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. <laughs> Nothing, nothing beats a failure, but a try. That's what my mother always said. Exactly. The only, only thing worse than failing is not trying at all. So anything in closing, man, that we missed that you want to touch on? Well, you, you ask a question all the time that I don't think I've ever heard you answer. What's, what's the one, what's the one thing that you've got to take with you when you're going on a hunt? Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one thing. That I have, it has to be my binos, man. I have to have my binos. 
Absolutely. Right. I I will not. My I had a pair get stolen, and I had a hunt oh, plan, and uh, I canceled it. Man, I have to have my binos. That's just that is my that's my go to. <laughs> I'm going to glass no matter what. I'm glassing. So yeah, definitely right. definitely my binos. If it's a useless piece, um, I've answered that question. I got these little damn butane filled flint matches. Uh, yep. that I never fill up. They're in the pack. <laughs> if I fill them up, <laughs> they, they, I don't know the butane evaporates or what it does. I go to use it, man. It ain't worth the shit, but yeah. It's, a, it's, it's your safety blanket. You just got to have it there. It's all good. Dude, I don't know what it is with them damn things. I got like 12 of them for, I don't know. It was something like six bucks or something like that. Some Chinese right. shit. But well, yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> But yeah, definitely the binos, man. That's uh, I, I I cannot leave home without them. I feel naked without them. Um, if they're on me and I don't use them, it's a shock. Uh, right? Yeah, gotta have those binos. I'm I'm surprised with your your passion for elk hunting and your passion for for western hunting that uh, you don't have you didn't go with spotting scope. You know, I'm not. I, I have them. I have one, and I'm just not a fan of lugging the shit around. Yeah. You know, I'm not an ultralight guy by any stretch of the imagination, but my binos are on my chest. I'll, you know, have a tripod for my camera or whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I have no problem with my binos. I'll glass an area and then I'll just move. If I want to get closer, I'm going to move. Yeah. It makes sense. I get it. <laughs> I, I get it. Grams equal ounces. Ounces equal pounds. Pounds equal suck. Yeah. Well, and, but you know what? It never, it's never really amounted to, I carry some useless shit, man. I'm like, you know, you've heard it. I'm a gear junkie, right? There's probably shit in there that I don't even need. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just never, I never got to the point where the spotting scope was an absolute necessity for me. Uh, you, you, you might just try that one of these years, elk hunting. And I think you'll, you might cuss yourself afterwards because you'll pick up on a lot of things that you miss with your binos, but you'll, uh, they've let you know. these, I, I didn't say they never led me wrong. Shit. I did a stock last year. It was about a, I want to say we calc it. It was like a mile and a half. I pulled it up on Onyx. Took me like three hours and, uh, nice. I had Mirage coming up on me, man. And I couldn't, I couldn't see the antlers clearly. And uh, that long ass stock, man, it was a doe. <laughs> I got within 15 yards, man, and and got where she was bedded, and it was a fucking doe and a fawn, man. It was the funniest thing. Matter of fact, if you go on my uh, go on my Instagram and go back to probably, I want to say that was like August or September, and there's mm -hmm. like four. It looks like four of the same picture of just my of just my head. And uh, it's a four part thing that I put on there. And it just, I had to walk back that whole way, man. I did like 400 <laughs> yards in just my socks. And I just laughed, man, the whole time on the way back. Uh, that's, that's all you can do, man. Oh, it was that's, hilarious. That's, that's some of the best parts of hunting is you, you get in on something like that and you're full commit. And then you get there and you say, ah, well, that was. I told you I could stock them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what that was my claim to fame. Well, I got within 15 yards. I just said it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, a mile and a half to 15 yards. Your turn. Yeah, it was funny, man. It was hilarious. That's good. 
But yeah, cool, man. Well, I'm glad uh, we finally got to do this, man. Like I said, it's been a long time coming. The schedule opened, so I was like, hell yeah. Yes, sir. I, it's I'm honored to be on here. Um, it's uh, like like I've said said to you countless times, either in text or um, you know before the show. I'm this has been truly badass to watch this thing like from birth to to where it, to just watching it spread its wings to get ready to take off. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that support, man. Man, keep it keep it going between you guys. Kong Valley, freaking all of it. It's it's badass to watch it go, man. Heck yeah! Oh, and you won that. What did you win? You won. You won something. Uh, on yeah, I won the the arch, archery. Oh uh, yeah, giveaway. Yeah. Um, got some sweet kudu point broadheads, some badass let them fly gear. I got all sorts of cool shit out of that. And that's man. That's that's what this is about. Spreading the word. And there's. I've, I've found more companies because of your damn show than I knew existed. <laughs> Actually, right? it's pretty cool, right? Because you got you got uh, County Sixes right there, man, in in uh, yeah. Yo, you know. Yeah. Well, it's it's cool and it's not at the same time because it's like, oh, hey, this is cool. We're going to go ahead and buy that. Well, <laughs> shit. Okay. But God, if. And if I was married, I'm pretty sure I'd be divorced after listening to your show. <laughs> I, I got to go check this out. Heck yeah. That's um, good stuff, man. I'm glad to hear that. You know, for me, it's supporting, it's supporting that effort, right? Of that small business. I went to that Utah show and uh, right? man, it was just, it was so awesome to go in there and see these people just putting everything they had into, into their brand or their idea or whatever it was. And oh, absolutely, uh, man, it just sparked something in me, man. That's, you know, I don't know. I've, I've said this to a number of people and I've, I've lost important people in my life because of, of my, my view on it, but this is your life, man. And if you've got a dream, fucking step up and chase it. Because if you don't, nobody else will, nobody's going to chase your dream for you and give you the end result. If you don't step up and go after that, you're sure you might die old and with millions and millions of dollars in your bank account. But the thing that you're, you're also going to have is that you're going to have all that regret about what, what if I'd have taken that chance? What if, what if I'd have gone on that trip? What if I'd have done that thing? Life's too short to live like that. If you can, you can do something freaking go do it. Don't, don't talk about it. Step up and go. You know, life, life is full of too many people that say, well, I want to do this. Go do it. The only person stopping you is you. And that's, and that's, you know, you can apply that to hunting. You can apply that to your personal life. Chase your damn dreams. That's it. Make it a reality. Absolutely. You, you've got the ability. Freaking do it. Nerves. People being scared. Like you said earlier, man, scared to fail. Yeah. But I'd, I'd, I'd rather fail a thousand times than, than never try. Never try. Good deal, man. Well, I again, man, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your support. It was great finally getting to talk outside of a, a DM or a text, man. Right, right. I, it's been a blast, man. And I, I, I don't think we got too sidetracked. I think we got all the bullets covered. Yeah, yeah. Well, the bullets, like I said before, man, those bullets are just so we're kind of on the same page, but tangents oh, and absolutely. all that other shit, man, that's what's, you know. Getting it out there, getting yes, that story out there, man. Yes, sir. 
Um, well, thank you again for having me on. I, I appreciate it a lot. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Yeah, man. You can catch up with Trevor on Instagram at tbud85. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hi, this is Weston Jenkins with Disabled Outdoorsman founder of an organization where we choose and let individuals come in the outdoors. We have many people across the nation that refuse to give up and our brand is going to represent them and now you can too. You can go to our website at www.disabledoutdoorsman.com or you can find us on Instagram at disabledoutdoorsmanusa. We want you to be a part of the cause with us and let's make a difference one day at a time.